This is Soul Starter, the podcast, with your hosts, Jessica and Lexi. We're two mamas on a mission to make entrepreneurship more accessible through soul-driven exploration. If you're ready to start a transformative journey rooted in self-care, intention, and growth, then this is the podcast for you. Join us and our guests each week as we explore the parallels between business, motherhood, and mindful living. Your intuition guided you here. Now let's get started. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back for another episode with Tressa Rivera. Uh, If you missed our first episode with Tressa, you can go back to episode four and listen. Tressa is a certified hypnotherapist with the American Board of Hypnotherapy and a trained human design chart analyst. She's also a certified health coach, personal trainer, and life coach. When we first interviewed and released Tressa's episode in May, we talked all about her journey into human design and hypnotherapy, and we primarily discussed what human design is in that episode as well and briefly talked about hypnotherapy. But today, our main topic is hypnotherapy, so we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about what it is and then also Jess's experience working with Tressa and doing a hypnotherapy session, so that's, that's where we're at. I'm excited. Are you excited, Jess? I'm so excited. I think it's going to be really fun to let people in kind of the back doors or behind the scenes of what hypnotherapy can be uh, in general for them. And I'm happy to use myself as a subject. (laughs) And welcome back, Tressa. Thanks for coming back for another episode. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's it's really, I'm going to be a little honest. I'm feeling a little nervous about it, but I also feel like that's totally normal. And I also wish that I would have heard something like this because I feel like I would have jumped in, into hypnotherapy or started hypnotherapy sooner if somebody just transparently shared their experience because I think it takes a lot of the fear out of the unknown of what it might be like. Um, so I'm excited to dive into the details of that. But first, if you wouldn't mind, Tressa, would you just kind of do a recap of what is hypnotherapy? Why would somebody even utilize hypnotherapy? And when, why might it be different than another form of therapy? Yeah, absolutely. It's just one of those words that has so many unknowns around it and sometimes even a few negative connotations. Most people only know about hypnosis. Uh, so like stage hypnosis, like I'm going to make you cluck like a chicken or or even scenes from movies where they use hypnosis as mind control or they use it to you know uh, <laughs> uh, take the person's personality and do things with their brains uh, and now that's not what hypnosis actually is while people do use it for entertainment purposes like stage hypnosis that that is a thing not everybody is even able to be uh, on the stage in stage hypnosis, the, the the hypnotist looks for a very specific person to even bring on the stage in the on the stage in the first place. So the way that I like to think about hypnosis or hypnotherapy, essentially using hypnosis techniques in a therapeutic modality, is with the brain itself because we are, and I think we talked about this last episode, but I'm going to say it again all day, every day being hypnotized. It's simply a fancy word of saying what the brain naturally does as it sleeps in a brainwave, you know, frequency of delta. It wakes up briefly through theta, and then we are walking around talking using our analytical mind in a high state of beta. And as we sit down to watch TV, scroll on our phones, our brainwaves fall into a place of relaxation called alpha. This is the first state of trance. This is a place where we get a little bit more suggestible. And this is why commercials exist, you guys, because the marketing companies know that when you're relaxed, your analytical mind is pushed aside just a little bit and they are uh, gonna be able to persuade you into buying things easier when you're in this brainwave. And then right before you fall asleep, your brainwaves fall into a state of uh, theta, kind of where all those pictures are right before you fall asleep and then boom, back in Delta. And so when we're using hypnotherapy, essentially we are putting intentionally putting your brain in a state of relaxation, alpha, sometimes theta, which I don't do over Zoom. I I keep my state, my clients in alpha over Zoom. 
when we're doing like deep past life regressions or deep regression work, we can take clients into what's called a synambulistic trance, which is in deep theta, where the clients may or may not even remember what they're saying. But working the way uh, that I do through hypnotherapy and, and human design, I keep all my clients where I took you, Jessica, into a state of alpha. So essentially, you're aware of what you're saying, you know what's coming out of your mouth. If you wanted to open up your eyes and walk out of the room, you could, but you are in a deep state of grogginess, relaxation, where you just have more access to this dreamlike world, which is your unconscious mind. It's kind of like how you dream. And it's in a controlled environment. It's like in a very controlled setting. Yeah, that's so helpful too. And I think that, you know, when I was first exploring it, I'm like, am I going to be knocked out and just saying <laughs> things that I don't even remember? But then after talking to you and learning a little bit more about it, you're like, no, no, don't, that's not where we're going. And I actually appreciated that as my first experience. You said that in person versus virtual, you might do different techniques. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because I know Lexi has some in-person um, hypnotherapy experience that was pretty different than mine, but mine was virtual and her, hers was in-person. So that might be maybe why. Yeah. Well, and I think that it also has to do with your intentions coming into the hypnotherapy session. When we're looking at disconnecting past emotional wounds, we're looking at working through trauma, draining negative emotions, processing, learning, stuff like that, uh, keeping a client in a state of alpha, which is considered what we call up trance is better for the client because you do get the ability of bridging the gap between what you didn't know that you know that you knew and what you now know right so similar to in our session all of the the learnings come up and you know it now because your conscious awareness isn't completely knocked out i studied under dolores cannon and so i don't know if any of you out there don't know who dolores cannon is she invented past life regressions she was a famous hypnotist in the 80s and she was brilliant and she so i've learned her techniques of past life regression and taking people into a deep synambulistic trance which essentially is similar to what we did jessica but the first induction part where i just start talking really boring with my voice it takes a lot longer so we're really making sure that our clients are sometimes asleep in delta and then we can control we can pull them back up into theta and as a practitioner watching them, monitoring their facial expressions, their breathing patterns, holding them in a state of theta, not wanting them to fall asleep into delta, not wanting them to come up into alpha, but holding them in a particular place where they can go visit, not just past lives, but sometimes we'll have people go into like deep, deep childhood regressions into memories that they didn't know that they had. I've had clients regress into in utero so like being in their mother's wow. womb, describing to me the walls of their mother's womb, just, I don't wow. know, this is just what's coming up, right? The thudding of the heart, the, the pink of the curved womb, just wild things. And it's incredible. It's incredible. It's fascinating. And the thing about what I do is that I have no idea what is in anybody's unconscious mind. And it's not my job to know. It's not my job to put things in there or implant suggestions like some other uh, hypnotists might. It's my job to be curious about what's already in there so that we can make changes so that you can let go of past dysfunctional habits or emotional wounds. And so it's, I always say it's kind of like Alice in Wonderland in there. You know, you just, I have no idea what's gonna happen at the beginning of any session. But to answer your original question, it's just, it takes a lot longer. So if they're going to go into a synambulistic trance, I can't do it in an hour and a half or two hours. Sometimes I'm going to sit with them for three or four or five or six. However long it takes is as long as it takes. Yeah. Virtually, you mean, right? Uh, in person. Oh, in person. Yeah. yeah. yeah so in person is when you go into the, I'm in a synambulistic, is that what you said? Is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and. Not all my in-person sessions will sure. go in, but yeah, we are trained to not take people into synambulistic trance over the internet. And the reason why is because your, uh, your central nervous system can experience very real symptoms 
of a type of regression. And if your client is freaking out or hyperventilating or needing to wake up and I can't physically put my arms on them to pull them out of trance, it can be dangerous. Yeah. And so we're really taught uh, in our training, never do that over Zoom. So as a practitioner, I'm very aware of, and obviously I've worked with hundreds of clients, the signs of a person falling into theta. And that's when I start to use my voice to pull them up into alpha, because if I speak a little bit louder and a little bit with more vibrance and a little bit more like this, you have this reticular activating system in your brain that's going to wake you up and jolt. Haven't you ever been in a class with a super boring teacher? And they're <laughs> yeah, just talking like this, very monotonously falling to sleep. Well, this thing in your brain, the reticular activating system is like, oh, nothing exciting's going on. We can fall asleep. Nothing exciting's going on. And this takes you into a place of alpha. And so now, believe it or not, what that teacher is saying to you with a super boring tone is going straight into your subconscious mind. Right? Where if he was talking like this and you were, uh, you know, using a little bit more of beta, it's going to be going into your mind. But this idea of beta, it's your bull crap detector, right? So it's either going to accept or reject what the teacher is saying. But if he's accessing your alpha brain waves, it's going to accept it. It's going to accept it. It's going to. Now, is it okay if I keep going? Do you you want to hold on I'm like I'm trying I'm I'm like thinking about my eighth grade ninth grade math teacher and I'm like is this the reason that I believe I'm not good at math or was it just the way he was teaching to me and I actually could be good at math he just wasn't teaching in a way that my brain was accepting 100 1000 percent it has Guys, I can be. be good at math. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, and I'm a firm believer of if you're taught in the right way, you can be good at anything. Oh, so it's just, interesting. It's a matter of hacking your own. Before the age of seven, your brain only functions in alpha. So haven't you ever heard people say that your conscious mind doesn't even exist? Like your personality is fully developed by the age of seven. Well, Mm -hmm. when you're a small baby, your brain waves are really slow. They're in theta until you're about three. And then they start to raise into alpha. Haven't you ever wondered why kids are so imaginative? They just live in this state of make-believe and imagination because that's how your unconscious mind speaks. And when we're back in a state of alpha, we have deep access to imagination, to this dreamlike fantasy, but also remember the analytical mind in beta, well, that's a bullcrap detector. And it's going to tell you what is true or what isn't true. It's not going to let you just believe anything. Before the age of seven, everything that enters into you is taken in as if it's fact. So if you are raised with parents who don't give you love, and don't teach you how to process your negative emotions. If you are raised with an example outside of you or with certain words inside, you believe that to be true. And this creates your model of reality in which you then project outwards for the rest of your life, right? So when we're working in a therapeutic modality, we're taking these clients back into a state of alpha where most of their messed up patterns were created. And this is why it's so efficient to work through hypnotherapy. Yeah, it's, you're able to get right back into that state, like life and childhood, it sounds like. And I feel like as you're kind of talking about the differences between the different waves and what you can do in person versus virtual, I definitely remember everything, but fuzzy, right? Like I still was, I remember like, yeah, if I guess I wanted to get up, like I did feel like I had the control and the power to like get out of my bed if I wanted to. But I also felt like I was in such a relaxed state that I didn't want to and I was, you know, participating. And so, you know, to kind of ease some people's fears about what that might feel like is it you definitely are aware of kind of what's going on and what's being said and what you're saying, but you might not know from my personal experience why you're saying it. Mm-hmm. I yeah. did mine in person as well, but it was the same thing. I remember, I remember the room. I remember, I actually like 
afterwards journaled everything really quickly so that I could continue to remember because it was so powerful. But I did not go into such a deep state that I was speaking things I didn't remember speaking or doing things with my body, like nothing like that. But mine was in person and yours was virtual. And so I think that that's a great thing to bring up is you can do it in a way that makes you comfortable with a practitioner who makes you comfortable. But like, how does somebody know do, like which state, like how deep they need to go, how deep they want to go? Like, how does somebody know if they, sh if they can have success virtually, if they can have success in person? Like, yeah. where do, where does somebody start? Yeah. I see exact same results in person as I do virtually. And I, yeah, yeah, I just, I can't, it, it, like I said, it's all about their intention. If they come to me with the intention of a past life regression virtually, I say, sorry, come to Reno, right? But whether they're in person or virtually, if they come to me with the intention of, I just feel blocked or I've been through trauma and I'm tired of it running my life, right? Or I'm just triggered. And, and I, I don't know, or I've been in talk therapy for years and I'm not getting over anything, right? The prime directive of your unconscious mind, which by the way is 95% of your brain power, 95% of your brain power, only 5% of your brain power is in your conscious awareness, which is the analytical mind. So the prime directive of your unconscious mind is to keep you safe. And the second you say, I'm not happy, these patterns that I'm going through are holding me back, I want to change. That's the second your unconscious mind, most of the time, is on board with making those changes for you. Yeah, and the way that you particularly work with hypnotherapy is also with the human design. And so you sort of pair them to, together. Is that always or just sometimes you do them together? Oh, I always use my clients' human design charts. Can I give you a good example? Please, yeah. I, I just worked with a client the other day and we're going through this deep metaphor pattern. Metaphor is everything. It's how your unconscious mind speaks. It's through images and symbols and pictures. She's giving me this metaphor of this cycle that happens. You know, it starts with shame and then I goes to failure and then it goes to whatever it was at the end of it. And I'm sitting here with her human design chart on my phone, right? Because I'm always having it. And I started to ask my client, does this feel like a problem to you, right? Is rain cloud your friend? Because that's the thing. We're talking through metaphors. We're talking through this metaphor of a rain cloud. Do you like rain cloud? Well, it loves me. It, it wants to keep me safe. It has my best interest in mind. And I started to ask her, is this a problem for you? Well, everybody else says it's a problem. All of my friends are concerned about me, so I figured it must be a problem. And I pulled her out of trance and I said, let's pull up your human design chart because this is part of your design. This is not a problem for you. This might be a problem if you were a different client, but for you, this is how you're designed to grow. And if I took away this pattern, you wouldn't grow and you wouldn't be the person that you're designed to be. And so human design helps me in two ways. In the first way, it shows me who you're designed to be. Right. And then in the second way, it shows me who you're not. And those are the areas that we can start to heal and grow is who you're not. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of my favorite parts about working with you was before we started the hypnotherapy session, we started with like a 20 minute human design reading. And it was after you already knew what I was wanting to come to you for, which like for all of the listeners, for me, it was like this blockage that I felt worthy of my success, worthy of my uh, happiness or whatever it meant. Uh, you know, it, it was worthy of a lot of different areas in my life. As I was seeing success in my business, I just didn't feel like worthy of it. For some reason, I couldn't figure out why. And it was just this like blockage type feeling and when I worked with you, you kind of knew my intention for wanting to work with you, but then you first started with my human design. And I'd love you to expand on it a little bit more, probably because you'll say it much better than I will. But you're like, oh, you're, you know, you're a projector. And this is something a lot of projectors struggle with was self-worth, right? Is that consistent with what you remember as well? Yeah, well, you know, the funny thing is, is that a lot of sessions 
I don't remember a lot of the details of sessions. It's like when you go to trance, I go into trance. And then when you come out of it, the fuzziness, it's kind of like when you come out of a dream and you remember what happened, but the, the crispness of it isn't, isn't there anymore. But I see this, I see a lot of, I can put this emotional pattern. I can paint this picture. Every type goes through a similar emotional uh, pattern. Every profile goes through a similar emotional. I'm talking about negative emotional pattern. And so for a projector dealing with self-worth, a lot of it comes from this idea of being left out, feeling unwanted, feeling unappreciated, feeling unseen, feeling unworthy, just when it has to do with people, when it has to do with being recognized by other people, other people recognizing their worth or seeing them or hearing them and so on and so forth. And again, it stems back from childhood, right? Because most projectors aren't taught who they're designed to be and they're not given any tools or strategies to work with that. But if I was looking at it from a generator standpoint or from a manifestor standpoint, that unworthiness would come from a different direction because they don't perceive life the same way as projectors do. Yeah, it's so powerful. I mean, Lexi and I just recorded an episode right before this. We were just talking about how powerful it is to know who you are created to be utilizing human design as one of the options to do that. But if you do and can know who you are designed to be and, and what some of your shortcomings or what you are a little bit more subjected to be receiving um, three via conditioning, that it can transform a lot of what your outcome is. I have a yeah. metaphor. Please. Oh, let's hear it. I'm seeing it. I love metaphors, but I'm yeah. I'm seeing it as you both are talking. And I'm like, you, you have a map physical in your hand and you're driving on all these roads and you're like, not really sure which direction to go, but you're like taking a turn here and there's a stoplight there and a green light, and a highway and all of that. And it's like, you don't know where you're headed, but then human design or like I feel like it's a key. It's like, finally, I have the key and I have this compass and I know what all these signs mean and these directional signals. And like, now I can start to navigate my way back to home or wherever it might be that I'm going. But yeah, I'm just, I'm seeing all of that and like recognizing to how everybody's path, everybody's key is different. And so it's great that you use that key as like your own navigational system when you're helping your clients, because I don't know otherwise how, I mean, I'm sure like asking questions and working with them, but um, like, otherwise, how would you really know to pull that client that you gave us an example, like pull that client out and be like, wait a minute, this is okay. Like, this is who, this is who you are. Like, we don't have to change that. Right. Right. And a lot of these clients, the not self, who you're not, who you're conditioned to be might not think that a problem is a problem when it actually is. Mm -hmm. And what you just did, Lexi, I want all of the listeners to understand that your unconscious mind and your conscious mind is not separate. They're interwoven every second of the day. And that metaphor, that perfect, beautiful picture you just painted in a picture, we could sit here for three hours and use analytical words to break down exactly what that metaphor meant. That's talk therapy. Let's talk about the details. Let's try to figure it out with the mind. Some people need it. Some people wanna go into that map and talk about this road sign and that road sign and the where and the what. But when you use a metaphor, when you use an analogy, you bypass all of the little wordy stuff. And, and, And I know so much more about my clients in such a short time, in such a short picture. And this is why it's a shortcut because we're using these deep. When you're a small child, you don't have the speech centers, your brain is underdeveloped. And so often I'll come across clients who the root cause of what they're going through, they can't label it. They don't know what to call it because when it was created in them, they were too young. Uh, They didn't have the right emotional tools. And that's okay because if we can build a metaphor around it, we can change it and we can work with it. And so that's the power of, of and, and such a beautiful real-time example of what metaphor can do. When I do meditations in the morning, I often have these visual experiences in my mind. And then 
it's definitely something I've developed over time where then I can sit and analyze like, what did this mean? What did this picture mean? And yeah. what is it telling me? Like, but it's taken, it's been a practice to get to that point. And um, I want to bring up because I have these visual experiences, like just thought our hypnosis sessions were so different, which of course they would be, but you didn't have as much of these like visual mm -hmm. dropped in sensations that I did, but it doesn't mean that we didn't have success or that mine was better or anything like that. Can you talk a little bit about like way, different ways people can experience a session? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Different brains think and work differently. We can actually see it within the circuitry of the human design chart. Some people are more audio. Some people are more visual. Some people are more kinesthetic where they feel. It's not necessarily an audio or a visual. Some people have this olfactory sensation where they'll smell things or they'll taste things. Everybody's brains work in such a different way. And so, um, Everybody can get to that point of visualization, but for some people, they're going to hear it a little bit more with words, like actual words. Now, here's the thing about those words. Where inside of your brain do those words come from? Do they come from the right side or the left side? Are they loud or are they soft? Whose voice are they speaking in? Right, so this is all neuro-linguistic programming work where we're actually looking at the submodalities of the visuals or the audio. That picture that you just, that you see in uh, meditation, is it bright or is it dim? Is it moving or is it still? And I think what a lot of people don't understand about your unconscious mind is that first of all, it's speaking to us in all sorts of different ways, through emotions, through words, through pictures. Meditation, your mind is quiet, visualization you are intentionally visualizing something you want to see self-hypnosis that visual pops into your brain lexi and you can actually ask it show me what what do you want to do how do you need to move show me what to do right you can actually ask your unconscious mind to show you a symbol that represents sadness or shame or whatever it is that you're working on your unconscious mind will bring something to you. It might be a picture. It might be a word. It might be a feeling inside of the body. Go to it. Develop it. Get curious about it. And once you, you know what it is, oh, it's a feeling in my heart. It's a stretchness. It's a tightness. It's like a trampoline in my chest. And just ask your unconscious mind, what does it want to do? It wants me to bounce on it. Oh, that feels good. Okay, what should I do next? It wants me to break it. It wants me to jump so hard I break through that trampoline. Oh, what happens next? I land in a puddle of fluffy clouds and I feel so wonderful. And now you've broken this barrier and the unconscious mind can bring to you all of these insights and informations. And so when you're analyzing the symbol in real time, Lexi, you can ask that symbol, how do you want to move? Do you want to get brighter? Do you want to get darker? And remember, this isn't you controlling it. This is you asking. And this is the difference between being open enough to receive answers and talking so much because you think it's your job to control everything. And that's what a lot of people do to heal. They think that they need to control the healing process. But really, when you start to let go, right? Let go and let God and let the unconscious mind You'd be, you'll be amazed at how much work you can do with your own unconscious mind. It's bring, this is bringing up a lot. I like back up just a little bit in the different ways that we experience. Um, it makes me think of the different clairs, right? There's like clairvoyance, clairsentience, like you feel her audience. Like there's these different ways and everybody has maybe like a more powerful or a stronger sense where they like can hear or they can see or they can smell or they feel and so in my mind, it's like recognize where you have those strengths and maybe like lean in a little bit more, tap into your intuition a little bit more to make those connections, like in a meditation. And I have gotten to the point where in my meditations, like I will occasionally ask questions. Like I always start in the same place and then I kind of just like explore this visual world because mm -hmm. I have this visual ability to tap in. 
um, and like I have my spirit guides that I like to talk to and uh, it's been a practice and it's been powerful but that doesn't mean that like mine is any better or any different like it's just the way that I've been able to tap in deeper than I don't know what your meditations are you like say you said in a previous episode, like you see color, you'll see a word, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. I'm also a feeler, right? So yeah. I think that was probably what hit uh, the hardest for me, like during my hypnotherapy session was when you would ask me questions of like, well, where do you, where do you feel it? What are you feeling? Like that was really easy for me to like connect to and give you answers quicker or me to go deeper quicker than sometimes it's like, well, what do you like with the the analytical the words was harder for me to formulate what I was trying to say and so that's also why I feel like hypnotherapy for me versus talk therapy was such a powerful tool because I often can't find the words when I'm processing a lot of that the emotional stuff and for me I can like see or feel um, but it's not as yeah visually descriptive for me and my experience. But I that's I think it's cool that we have different abilities. Yeah. And I uh, want to say like one more thing. Like talk therapy for me, I did it for a while, and it I did analyze every street sign, and we did talk and about a lot. And I really credit my therapist to a lot of my transformation. But we did get to the point where she said, Lexi, have you considered hypnosis? And she referred me to somebody and they talked about me and my journey and they decided together what would be a powerful session for me. And that's what led me to hypnotherapy. So she recognized that we were analyzing things a little bit like to the extent where we weren't making progress. And she suggested, yeah, and I, I would love to know why you go into a hypnosis session and then you come out and it's like, Boom. Like, what What was I even upset about before? I don't even remember. Like, what is that? It's so crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's a really odd sensation. Think about it like this. Um, your brain strings events together like a string of pearls. So you get a really big emotion. You're three. You're bipping along. You're happy as a clam. All of a sudden, you feel deep sadness, right? Whatever reason. Dad left didn't come home for a week. You felt this deep sense of sadness. Everything is a chemical or these bodies are pharmaceuticals. That's, that's, that's all we are. We're this just like fleshy, meaty, chemically body thing. And the brain produces a chemical that you haven't experienced yet. And it's a really big event. Your brain's gonna highlight that event. Oh, this is sadness, right? Well, the next time, now, if you can't fully process that emotion, which requires you to feel it all and to learn from it so you can move on. You're three, your brain's underdeveloped, you clearly don't have the tools to do that. So your unconscious mind will suppress it a bit and the next time you come across that big emotion, your brain is like, I know this emotion, this chemical is the same as this chemical and it highlights that event. Oh, I don't know how to process it now and I don't know how to process the time before. Let's stick it in the closet and come back to it later when we know how to process it. So all of a sudden we're grown adults or grown people and we have this event that's linked to this event that's linked to this event that's linked to this event and we don't know how to process any of it. And so now you get a big emotional trigger. Somebody says something in a certain tone and all of this sadness comes back and you have this deep inappropriate emotional reaction. The person is like, I just said flower. Like, why are you so sad? I just talk. And all oh, that flower reminded me of this event, which reminded me of this event, which reminded me of this event when it was first created. So what we're doing is hypnotherapy is we're looking for the first event in which that emotional chemical was created so that you can A, process it, B, learn the lesson that you couldn't learn. And now as an adult, if all of, all of the parts of you that were broken off because of that emotion are integrated and you've learned the lesson around that at event all of a sudden you take that metaphorical pair of scissors and you cut that string of pearls everything drops away and you wake out of the session being like i don't even feel it from the it's just not a problem now this doesn't mean that you can never feel sadness in the future it just we're humans right we have emotions it just means that they won't be linked to the past so you get a choice 
Am I going to feel this sadness right now and learn from it? Or am I going to suppress it and create a new string of pearls that's going to get me into trouble in the future? Yeah. And I will say that was like literally highlighted my experience. And I only worked with Tressa one time in one hypnotherapy session, um, focused around this idea of like self-worth and where is that driven from and how do I prove worthiness and everything like that. And literally after the session, like it, I was definitely foggy afterwards (laughs) and I took the rest of the day off. But then I was like, what did I work with her again for? wait, why would I want to work with her for that? Like, (laughs) why would I even say that? Like, why would I even feel that? You know, when initially it was like this quick response to like, what is your deepest fear and insecurity? And I'm like, not being worthy. You know, like it'd be the easiest like answer for me previously before doing a hypnotherapy session with you. But then afterwards, like if someone asked like, what is your deepest fear and insecurity? I'd be like, ah, let me think about that. Like that's how I'd feel right now answering that question. Like, let me think about that. I'll let you know. But it wouldn't be like, oh, that's exactly what it is. Um, So I found it interesting that one, it was in alignment with my human design. My deepest fear and insecurity was extremely in alignment with my human design, which then made me buy into human design that much more. And like, want to learn a lot more about it, which we will be doing soon. But then too, how it's interesting because you also said, if you know your human design, you then can equip someone with the tools that maybe, right? right? Like self-worth is a lot, a lot of what people with projectors feel. What do you mean by like equipping people with the tools for something that they might struggle with? And it's different for every human design too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we have different strategies for different uh, definitions, different centers, different gates. The unworthy thing really a lot of the time mixed with projector wounds can come down to uh, the heart center, whether it's open or closed. And I don't remember if you have an open heart center or not. Um, but it has, right, and it, ha- it can do with your identity center, it can do with certain aspects of your profile. And so depending on what your particular chart is, for example, if I have a projector and they have a completely open heart center, I'm not going to tell them that they're never going to feel unworthy because they're here to learn their value, they're here to learn their worthiness. And so equipping them with an understanding that it's okay if you wake up one day and you don't feel worthy like you did the day before. That's okay because you're not designed to feel worthy every day. You're designed to, to learn where you are worthy. You're designed to learn how valuable you are. You're designed to, to go on that treasure hunt when you don't feel. And so it just kind of gives them this understanding of like, oh, it's okay to not have all of the things right this second. This is how I'm designed and and to almost expect it. And when you go into that place of unworthiness, it's like, yay, I'm in unworthy again. What am I going to learn from it this time? You know, because that's why it's there. It's there for you to learn from. Almost like a reframing of the mindset too with the hypnotherapy session, going deeper to those um, inner wounds that you might have. You can now think of the same issue or concern differently. It's like your mindset's reframed. Okay. I feel like I dove forward. I'm, I'm curious, or I want to kind of backpedal a little bit. I just try to paint the picture of what it actually like looked like and felt like to work with you. So, you know, after you did like the 20 minute human design reading, you were like, find a comfortable space in your room. And so then I just laid in my bed and you had me move my computer so that you could see my chest. Right. And you were analyzing for breath pattern. Is that right? Yeah, yep. I want to see your face and your upper chest, even the expressions on your face as you're falling into trance. And in in the session, your facial expressions and breathing patterns, it just tells me so much about. Because so much of the work, as you know, is you not saying anything, processing inside your brain, and me just staring at you, like (laughs) just looking at your face to see because I will see, I'll notice squintings and I'll notice I stop breathing for a minute, right? And this tells me as a practitioner, are you okay? What just happened, right? Fill me in on what's going on in there. And so it, I, I'm blind if I can't see my clients in a session. 
That makes perfect sense. And of course, my eyes were closed, so I had no idea how close you were yeah. to your camera. <laughs> right? <laughs> Trying to see. But then, you know, I got in a cozy space. I had a blanket that kept me warm. And you just started talking slowly. And I do remember just kind of like falling a little bit deeper into a deep relaxation state, I would probably call it. And as you were asking questions, it was interesting because you were asking me to maybe go places that I'd never gone before. I'm like, why is she asking that question? And I felt a little bit of resistance. And I'm sure that's quite normal. Do you do you feel like that's normal for clients? Or how do you how long does it typically take for as you're talking to someone for you to feel like, okay, now we're actually getting into the meat of it. Yeah. Well, and it really depends on what kind of things they got going in their chart. Sometimes I'll work with people who are really don't tell me what to do kind of people. Right. And then sometimes I'll work with people who are like their human design charts are like, you can tell me whatever you want me to do and I'll do it. So if I'm working with a client who I know has certain gates and channels and aspects of, do not tell me what to do. I'm gonna say things in a little different of a way. The only time I, I will sit, like plant in a suggestion is in the very beginning where I'm like, I want you to imagine uh, like a calm, gentle breeze flowing through your body, right? Or in the beginning, I wanna stimulate your visual. So can you see a red rose? Can you see, and sometimes, I'll have a client who has so much individual circuitry, who's just like, don't tell me to see a red rose. My rose is purple. And I'm like, that's perfect. You saw a perfect, you saw a purple rose. That's exactly right. Because it's not what they're seeing. It's the fact that they can see that I care about. I uh, practice something called clean questioning, clean language, which is something that David Grove pioneered. And it's a way for me to work with clients without putting my fish in their pond. And so I don't know if you were even aware of this in the session, you know, you, something will come up and I'll ask you, well, where is that feeling in your body? Oh, it's in my stomach. Well, is it moving or is it still? It's still, it's still like what? It's still like a rock. What kind of rock is that rock? Right? So I'm asking you questions, but I'm not presupposing that I know. Well, that rock could be flat. It could be round. It could be tan. It could be that rock could be anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And so working with a client, making sure that what's coming out of them is purely from them and not from me is the only way that I can serve my clients in the way that their unconscious mind is intending. Because if I presuppose that I know anything, that's me putting my fish in their pond and me expecting to see the results that I want them to see as opposed to the results that they need to see. That's so amazing. I didn't, yeah, I mean, I do remember you asking questions like that and me going down the trail with you. Yeah. Um, and I knew that there was probably a reason for it, but in the moment I maybe didn't know why or whatever it might have felt. Uh, the other thing that I found interesting was that you made me picture a timeline and the timeline was for me to travel um, along the continuum, whether it was, you know, before, like in the future or in the past or, you know, before I was even born and find points at which I maybe ha struggled with that self-worth piece. And they were all in my childhood, um, typically elementary or earlier, which was interesting. You also talk a lot about, you know, before seven years and a lot of them were around that time frame. Uh, but I thought it was so powerful too. You said that someone already went all the way to the into the womb. So it just shows how powerful before you're even birthed into this world, how powerful you are, your development and your memory recollection can, can start as early as. Yeah, yeah, sometimes it's before the womb, sometimes it's, a, it's an ancestral trauma that was passed down from my mother's side. Sometimes it's a past life wound that was from 35 past lifetimes ago. Like the unconscious mind has no bounds when it comes to time and space. And again, this is where hypnotherapy is really cool when talk therapy can't, because no talk therapist is gonna sit there and entertain their client telling them about a 35 
past life ago wound, they're going to be like, okay, you're crazy. Right. But in hypnotherapy, it's just like the first thing that comes up and my clients will be like, I don't know, the number 35 just popped in and it's like, perfect. Let's go there. It's not about the when it's about the what, what do you need to learn about this in order to let go of unworthiness? It's the learning. Dolores Cannon always says life is just a school. We come here to learn. And if we don't learn the lessons in this life, that's okay. We'll come back and we'll learn them in the next one, right? It's all, it's all just about our learnings. And that's what makes us let go is when you learn. Hmm. I have a question. Yeah. So I'm listening to your experience and how you're doing this, this clean question right, with your clients, asking them and then exploring with them. My experience was different, so I'm curious, which obviously I did mine in person with a practitioner uh, that was not you. And I had, I was like laying down and, you know, she counted backwards and then took me up some stairs and all that. But then from there, I navigated on my own and she was not asking questions, Mm -hmm. but instead we, she was saying like affirmations the whole time saying these positive affirmations to me that I didn't give her. I just like, you know, like I said, my therapist and her kind of decided like what the session needed to look like. And so she was very much a, you're a great mother and like just all these similar self-worth motherhood type of topic. But she was talking at me, to me, and I was seeing, but not being questioned on anything I was seeing. I was not speaking back to her or anything. Yeah, and that's actually more common than the type of work I do. So I practice conversational hypnotherapy, and that's more of a traditional script uh, hypnosis, hypnotherapy session. And, And it can be deeply powerful and deeply transformative, but what I do is a little bit more curated, right? It's a little bit more geared towards let's open your unconscious closet and let's just clean it out because I don't know what the underlying root cause is. And so I mix a little bit more NLP techniques, neuro-linguistic programming techniques in with my hypnotherapy. I studied a lot of Richard Bandler, the father of NLP, and then a lot of Tad James who invented timeline technique. And so I think it's just, um, you know, it's just a different way and a different form of working Sometimes you can have those amazing hypnosis sessions and see really cool results. But then sometimes you can have a session like that and not see the results you wanted because it wasn't curated or deep enough. It didn't go into your individual aspect. Even working with Jessica, before I do anything, I want to make sure, is it unworthy or is there something underneath that? Nine times out of 10, what my clients think is the problem there's actually a much deeper problem than that. And so if I don't look for what's underneath that, we can still do a lot of work, but it, you know, it's just not going to be as curated or an oddity. Not to dismiss the power of what you experienced in your session. Clearly, that is exactly what you need and how you needed to experience that work. Yeah, no, I was thinking that. I was like, I'm fortunate that I did have success in my session, but I can see now how speaking affirmations that I did not even come up with or that might have been out of alignment that she just decided were the affirmations I needed to hear. I could see how that wouldn't work in some cases. So yeah, empowerment and freedom is woven within my human design chart. And for me to allow my client to to bring that to me instead of me telling them, it is the most empowering experience I could possibly provide to a client. Because as much as I think I know, or as much as I want to know, I humbly do not. (laughs) I simply do not. And that's the truth of it. But your unconscious mind does. And the second I can open up that door for you to receive it from your own unconscious mind, it makes my whole job super easy. Well, and to validate you, I feel like it was an extremely empowering experience for me personally. So if that is like your mission and 
who you are designed and created to be. I just like also want to let you know that that's exactly what I felt and what you translated to me because it, it walk it helped me walk away feeling very empowered because it, it did feel like my own experience and not to discredit like anyone's experience if that wasn't, but I just wanted to validate you and your approach if that um, especially is extremely important to you. Like I, I definitely walked away with that experience. Yeah, that means everything. It means everything to me. Yeah. Yeah. I love our chats with Tressa. You're so passionate and knowledgeable and um, you just have a way of making it accessible to somebody who like, I don't know a lot about the different states of the brain and you just make it so easy to understand. And yeah, thank you for coming back and talking to us about hypnotherapy. Um, even from our first episode, I actually had a couple of people like reach out to me that listened and were like, oh my gosh, this was amazing. I'm interested in hypnotherapy. Like, do you think it'd be good for me? Like all of this, I'm like, oh, I can't make that decision for you, but I'm glad that there was an impact. Um, I have one more, I have one more question. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think how to phrase it, right? But hypnotherapy is coming back to what well, can be coming back to an experience and changing like the way that you experience that emotion in the future, right? It, what if you're talking about like, grief or like trauma in that sense where it's like obviously you don't want to let go of that but maybe like transform how it's impacting you now like do you work with people who have lost a loved one or do you work with grief how does that how does yeah. that happen yeah yeah I've I have some beautiful experiences some some of the clients that we've made the most breakthroughs with were clients who have lost family members children parents, siblings, what happens is that grief is a natural cycle and it needs to be allowed to move through the body. And a lot of times people will prevent that process. It's too painful. And with other traumas and wounds they have, that grief gets stuck and locked away, uh, kind of like a, an oil pit deep inside of the earth. And when we're working through hypnotherapy, we'll, we'll strike that oil. And all of a sudden, all of that grief will kind of come back up and out. And so my goal with working through grief is not to get rid of their grief, but it's to get rid of all of the dirt around that oil pocket so that they can naturally express it in the way that they need to. And more times than not, when all of that, it's almost like scar tissue right? It's like the scar tissue that binds this, these yucky emotions around grief that prevents it from moving anywhere. We get rid of that scar tissue, all of a sudden they realize that that grief they're processing is something beautiful. It's actually the connection with their loved one on the other side. We open up the doorway for them to talk to their dad, to talk to their brother, to allow their presence with them in their day-to-day -day life. And now grief isn't so bad because it, and, and, and now we're never gonna forget the experience that we had, but we can transmute it from something painful into something that is beautiful and lighthearted and magical every day of the rest of their life. I love the way you said that about the oil pit because grief is like something scary to explore and maybe would turn somebody away from wanting to even go that route because they know it will be painful. So you're not trying to strike oil. You're just trying to help the oil move around a little bit more freely. Yeah, that's exactly that's beautiful. Right. Yeah. And some people are going to process that grief in a month. Some people are going to process it in three years, but if they have the emotional stability, to process that grief, it doesn't matter how long it takes. And now they're not fighting it. And now it's not their enemy or their demon, right? And, and that's the thing about our emotions. So many people are afraid to be in pain, but, but we're, we're human. We go through pain. It, it, pain, is not, <laughs> pain is not what's painful. It's the fighting the pain that's painful. And if we can move some of this stuff around so that you're not fighting the pain anymore, you start to learn and love and grow. I mean, look at the pain of childbirth. Look at what it gives us. I would go through that pain a hundred times over knowing what I get from it. 
And so it, it's just this beautiful transmutation and just what Jessica said before, it just shifts your perspective around grief and trauma and pain and it turns it into something beautiful. Mm. You gave me so many ideas, even <laughs> for the world of like pelvic health and postpartum moms, like dealing with traumatic birth experiences and the grief that they had over this like perfect visual birth experience yeah. that didn't happen for them. And I know that, you know, as we're talking about it right now, like it took me about a year to get over the fact that I ended up having a cesarean for my first birth, but it took me a little over a year to fully process that. And now I can, I'm literally grateful for it. And I talk to some women about their experiences often, obviously, because I do this for work, but you know, they're like, how could you be grateful for that? And it's like, it's interesting because once you fully allow yourself to process the pain of it and like ex fully accept it for what it is, like you then are allowed to, as you mentioned so beautifully, let it move through your body and then you don't look at it the same anymore. And so I also love that you said it takes a different timeline for every person because I'm sure you get a lot of questions when people start to work with you in hypnotherapy. How long is this going to take? Is it one session? Is it two or is it five? Is it a, a year? Right. And then you're, you're like, well, your body will tell us. And I know that's what you told me too. You're like, you know, this is what my clients typically do, but let's just see what you need. And at first I was like, wow, she didn't even sell me into like a four visit package or anything. <laughs> From like a business perspective, I was like, I totally would have bought four sessions. But then once you were like explaining the process, I was just like, that is so beautiful and ethical and empowering. And just to let me know that this is like on my terms as I process what I need to. Um, and so I, I also just love that message you shared in general about working through grief as Lexi brought it up, but just emotions in general, it will take a different timeline for everyone. And it's important to do it on our own timeline as we feel empowered to take that next step. Yeah. And what I love about you too, is that you understand we need, the world needs healing. Women need healing. And I do not have the smartest business approach when it comes to the way that I work. But I think that higher than business, my intention is to help heal, right? Of course, we need to make a living. Of course, I need to feed my kids and, and have a roof over my head too. But I, I just, I truly believe, it's funny because I, I took, I spent thousands of dollars of marketing courses. I know how to market. I know how to sell. I know what they want me to do. And when I started my business, I decided to throw it all out the window and use the law of attraction marketing strategy. And that's how my entire business has grown and been built. Because every single day I ask my guides, I ask source, and that which I, I call God, right? Source that it, it runs through. I just say, bring to me the clients that need my help that I can actually help. Mm -hmm. And it's so beautiful from a, a, an aspect of like trust and faith when it comes to like abundance and money. I am booked up. I'm booked up and I've been booked up for the past year and a half. And it's, it's, that's the way from my perspective that's the way to run to run a business so it works it works it, it truly works. works just like last week yeah. i was like with my guides too i'm like yeah. i really am looking for this type of thing and i've been kind of like a cluttered mind and i could just like see everybody running around with like clipboards or something like figure it out lexi what do you want <laughs> i was like okay this is what I want. And literally the next day, that lead hit my inbox. That's amazing. It was so cool. It's, it's so, so cool. powerful when you ask the universe. That's a whole other episode. I know. We're really good. probably talk to you about it forever. But um, yeah, no, I just love that you operate business in that way too. Well, I hope that this episode brings so much attraction to Tressa because I can personally say like working with you was such a transformational experience in my life just after one session. I can just even say professionally getting to know you and talking with you now. This is our episode two with Lexi and I talking with you. Every time we, we talk to you, we walk away with like, oh my gosh, Tressa is so cool. Like how do we work with her again? But we just love you and we really hope that all 
anyone who has made it to an almost an hour of, of this podcast <laughs> and we're going way over and we don't care, but it's so good. And we, we really hope that people work with you one-on-one and take that next step of getting to know you. And so what is the best way, Teresa, for people to contact you, to get to start working with you um, as soon as you have your next opening? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Instagram, send me a message on Instagram at human under slash design under slash hypnotherapy human design hypnotherapy i'm sure there'll be a link to it somewhere and i just want to say thank you to both of you girls because it is so exciting for me to get to talk about this Uh, i get super like obviously passionate and stoked and day in day out i'm working with clients you know on the back end nobody's witnessing or cares or knows what I'm doing. So thank you for letting me nerd out and just kind of like spill all of that and asking such beautiful, such brilliant questions. This was really fun for me to get to chat with you guys. The feeling is mutual. You are magnetic. Thank you so much for being here. Maybe we'll find a part three at some point. (laughs) I like, I'm so excited. We have to, we'll figure (laughs) it out. But thank you for your time and your energy. uh, Okay. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more information about today's episode in the show notes at soul-starter.com forward slash podcast. We also love to connect with you on Instagram at soulstarterco, all one word. And please don't forget to leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can also watch the video recordings on our YouTube channel at soulstarterco. See you in the next episode.